It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Tis the season for chicken fingers at Raisin Cane's. Warm up with hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, crispy, crinkle-cut fries, garlicky, buttered Texas toast, and the real source of holiday magic, cane sauce. And while you're treating yourself, don't forget to treat everyone on your list to Cane's gift cards and New York City-inspired plush puppies that benefit pet organizations. Happy holidays from Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi there, my name is Gary. I'm one of the um, presenters of the Custard TV podcast. I'm joined here by Matt. So this is a special uh, Stranger Things podcast that we're doing for you lovely listeners of the Custard TV podcast. If you haven't seen series one of Stranger Things, first of all, pause this podcast and go watch it. Because things in this podcast will make much more sense once you've done that. But this is about the second series of Stranger Things, which dropped on Netflix. Is that is that the technical term? Dropped? Yeah, why not? Yeah, dropped uh, <laughs> on, on Netflix. All nine episodes of series two are available straight away. We obviously couldn't do all nine episodes justice in one podcast. So we're going to no. take two at a time. Now, this was a surprise hit for Netflix. So, I mean, I watched this the weekend it came out because... Um, Luke asked me to review it. He'd heard sort of yep. buzz, and I think I was one of the first people, and then people were saying, oh, I'll watch it soon, and then I saw people recommending it to other people like weeks and weeks after it came out. It was out in the summer last year, wasn't it? But I think Yeah, it, it was a strange summer hit, and as you say, it was a, a stranger I... summer hit. But I know a few people who watch Netflix over normal TV these days, like for yeah. example, brother i was talking to him last week i was talking about w1a and educating great manchester and he said well we just watch whatever's on that you know we'll look at what's new on netflix and we'll put stuff in our you know our netflix queue and things like that <laughs> let's remind people of the kind of broad base of series one i think we say it was set in 1983 in it's Hawking, kind of indiana it's centered around these four young boys mm. and the main premise of series one is that is it mike that goes missing no it's well Will that goes missing, and his mum is Winona Ryder, and she begins to get messages from him, or she perceives that she gets messages through him through Christmas lights and phone well, calls. Well, there's, there's a couple of things that happen, isn't there? I mean, yeah. at the same time Will goes missing, this girl appears who's sort of escaped from a research lab that's in Hawkins as well. She's got certain powers, and then as we go on, we we learn that sort of like there's almost like a monster on the loose. Another girl who goes missing is Bob, the friend of um, yeah. Mike's it's, sister. Yeah, uh, Mike's older sister. Nancy. By and by, uh, the the chief of police, Jim Hopper, learns that there's sort of a conspiracy going on with the um, the research facility. There's this monster that they're sort of trying to to capture, aren't they? It ends with the girl called Eleven basically going inside trying to help them rescue Will. 
and trying to sort of evade the people who are after her. And we get some flashbacks in Ep 2, don't we, of what happens yes, in Eleven. Of, yeah, of, because they believe that Eleven is stuck in the upside-down world. Mike sort of developed a bit of a crush on her, so he's still hoping that she'd get in touch with him via, um, like, walkie-talkie. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is a year afterwards, and Will is still getting sort of flashbacks. He keeps feeling like he's still in the upside-down world that these people sort of get sent to. For certainly two of them, for Will and Mike, there's been there's been quite a lot that's happened off-screen. Will, as you say, is experiencing, what would you call them, waking dreams? Yeah. Sort of thing. And in the first episode, you see the first of these. He's at the arcade, which, again, we might have to explain for young people. This was where... Uh, no, uh, You do get some... Well, you some might have stars. to explain for young people. No, well, go ahead. There were, like, machines that had one game in them that you could play. So you couldn't switch cartridges or discs. You just had one game. And one of the things that was important was who could get the high score. And I can say that I did have a top 10 score of Tapper. Uh, down at my uncle's in Bournemouth I don't know if it's still there I doubt it Uh, Bournemouth is still there obviously so the very first time kind of like we see the boys uh, in the first episode they're they're converging on this arcade place and this is where Will has this first well yeah because you see them all sort of going for money Mike stealing money out of um, Nancy's piggy bank but before we talk about Mike's dream the thing about Dragon's Lair (laughs) <laughs> it was a brilliant, but no, but it's important that you understand because it's important for the context of the show. It was a, it was a pound in this country, which at that time was incredibly expensive, and it was brilliantly graphic, but had no gameplay. Basically, the idea was is that you were this knight and you had to avoid this dragon. It was a very bad game, but it was totally addictive because it was very, very hard as well. And that's what you get through the show is that they have to get enough money to be able to play the game and win. Fans of Dragon's Lair will understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, explain Will's dream in the best way that you can. It almost feels like when he bends down or looks away, he suddenly yeah. it suddenly everyone evaporates and he's in like this sort of hollow world where everything's dark and the trees are blowing and and the um score is booming the sort of 1980s um inspired score tells you that something dangerous is happening i suppose we should say as well that he's sort of going for regular tests with a doctor played by paul riser who's sort of trying to be his his pal i mean the first series we had matthew modine didn't we i think he disappeared presumed dead but you never know the paul riser character is very much you know he's very trying to put him at ease isn't he? he's very good actually but at the same time, you know, he's he's secretly, you know, doing all these tests, monitoring well, his I, heart rate. I, I don't know whether you're supposed to know that they're recording the session. Yeah. I don't know that no, he Will doesn't and his know mother that. doesn't yeah. know that. No, I think so. basically he's like this specialist, almost like a GP, you would say, in this country, who sort of maybe yeah. specialises in sort of psychosomatic cases. You know, they think he's got PTSD. He's describing all these things. He's drawing pictures of them as well, isn't he, uh, Mike? When uh, Will, sorry, when he's when he's sort of... And, and it's this massive sort of like spider-like monster, isn't it? Yeah. Secretly, you know, they, this sort of scientific lab is still working on sending people in to sort of deal with this monster, aren't they? And it, it's sort of like a kind of shadowy kind of X-Files tile conspiracy where, you know, the government are testing on aliens type thing. But it's more that, you know, these kind of this upside down world monsters that yeah. they're testing on. If we look at Will first, he's... Mm. he's story arc is that he's sort of 
feels like everyone's treating him differently since he's had this experience last year. You know, the people at school are referring to him as zombie boy. His brother's being a lot more sort of touchy-feely with him now, you know. Um, His mum is you know, being very overprotective. Very overprotective. Understandably so. Understandably you know. so. And maybe we should mention <coughs> here as well that she's now got a new boyfriend, as you said, played by Sean Astin. I think he's here because obviously he was in the Goonies. And a lot well, of... there is that, yes. A there lot is, of yeah. the... Um, comparisons drawn to the boys relationship in series one was the Goonies because obviously the Goonies was about this set of four friends who yeah. go, go the, and the, over this there's, there's, there's the Goonies and there's Stand By Me which yeah Stand By Me was sort of more you know, <coughs> for dead bodies and stuff but I think yeah. the Goonies because of the use of the walkie talkies because yes. Dustin looks a lot like Chunk but Sean Astin's playing this character called Bob I think is that right yep Another thing about Stranger Things, I suppose, is it's in this small town where all the adults as well went to high school together. Um, and Hopper, who went to high school with Joyce, the Winona Ryder character, and they sort of almost have this sort of flirtatious relationship. He mm. refers to Bob as Bob the Brain. And, there, you know, there's this insinuation that he was like this high school nerd. He works well, he, he is very, he's very awkward, isn't he? You know, he almost, is. Yeah, he is very awkward. I mean, he says, like, when they're, when they're uh, making out in the first episode at the back of the store where she works, that, you know, you never even talked to me at high school, and now, you know, we're together, and I can't believe it. And you can imagine, like, Hopper was bullying him at high school and oh, things yeah. like that. He's basically, I think, what Joyce needs at this stage, someone who's sort of... He's, you he's know, stable he, he on one level, isn't he? Yeah. No, he's, he's very sort of on their level... He's a nice guy. He suggests they're moving out of Hawkins because maybe then Will will feel a lot, a little bit better. I like the character and I think Sean Astin is a like, and he worked with this role. I mean, I remember when he was in 24 and I didn't think that worked very well, but he... No, um, this is more sort of up yeah. his street, And again, yeah. another sort of actor who was big in the 80s, you know, that's why Winona Ryder's here, that's why Matthew Modine was in the first series. So yeah. that's sort of where that sort of family is and that's where Will is, you know, he's, he's sort yeah, of... Yeah, the, the older brother who was a big part of series one, because Jonathan. he was one... Jonathan, he was one of the only people that kind of believed that um, uh, you know that Will was still around, and you know he, he was one of the few people that believed he's very his mother. much an outsider, isn't he? He's yeah. very much in he's listening got a huge crush, head. a huge crush on Nancy, yeah. Mike's older sister. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll transition into Mike's family now. Mike has gone through a lot in the last year. He was like almost like the leader of this little group. Yeah, originally very confident, you know, and he befriended Eleven. But since then, because of the fact that Eleven's gone, he's, he's kind of regressed. And he is a bit more withdrawn. There are certain scenes. I remember that one of the key scenes is uh, one of the most hilarious scenes. We'll come on to Max later. Yeah. But when Max first turns up on Halloween, he hangs back and the others all follow her. And that's telling. Should we explain Max? Because the first yeah, episode Yeah, go for it, I think she's important. Going back to the arcade in your favourite game, she's got the top score on two games that Dustin previously had the top score on. They just see this name Mad Max to start off with. Then, like, the first scene at the school, we see this guy arriving, you know, driving really fast, music blaring. This young girl gets out with her skateboard, goes to the sort of... Are they junior high? In, and yeah, they're junior high, yeah. They're, and they're yeah, they're high seniors. school, and he just yeah. sort of, she just sort of leaves. And, and she then is introduced as Maxine and Max, and they learn, like, she's Mad Max. Justin and Lucas both sort of develop a crush on her because they think, oh, she's cool, you know, she's yeah. these games. 
And in episode two, we learn a, a little bit more about her. We see her with her brother. He sort of resents the fact that they've had to move from California to this sort of backward town. They, on Halloween, the four of them dress up as the Ghostbusters, unwittingly not knowing that no one else is actually going. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was dress. brilliant. They invite Max along. She turns up as, is it Jason? Uh, no, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Halloween. Um, and she basically pals along with them. Dustin and Lucas are sort of entranced by her. They're both in love with her. Mike I think is, he even the, says, doesn't he? She yeah. even sort of says she ruins, she ruined Halloween that for me. Sort of is a heart back to series one when he was very protective of Eleven. Yeah. And her sort of palling around with the three of them because Will was in the Upside Down and Lucas having a real issue with it and that him and Lucas falling out over it, weren't they? There's a great scene as well where the, going back to the Ghostbusters thing where him and Lucas have both got Venkman on the on the front of their oh, yeah. and obviously he says, you know, we agreed Lucas because he's African-American, we agreed that you'd be Winston. He says, why would I be Winston? Winston's not, you know, he's not a scientist, he's not. And I, I it was just a great thought, little moment yeah. there. I loved as well when they were going round the houses in the outfits and one woman opened the door and said, oh, you're dressed as, um, as, uh, as garbage yeah, men. Exterminators. <laughs> exterminators. And it's no. like, oh, look at your little exterminators. Yeah, and it was just great. But it, it is perfectly written. These guys have written it. Uh, the Duffers must have, you know, really good source material for this mm. or their memories um, of, of them growing up like this. So... Mike's family also features, as we said, Nancy. She is still very much grieving over her best friend, um, Bob. Bob. There was a sort of internet thing, wasn't there, that hashtag justice for Bob. That, um, yeah. She basically went missing in, I think, the third episode. And very when early. they went back to the Upside Down, they basically found out that she was dead. Basically, uh, I think a lot of the fans were like, oh, they brushed Bob under the carpet. What's going to happen with Bob? And there was a great moment as well at Comic-Con where, you know, they go to the, the audience... Um, and the actress who played Barb actually asked a question about Barb. And that was quite <laughs> oh, well, that's quite clever. And this series, I think Nancy's arc is about telling you know people what happened to Barb because she knows, yeah. she knows, and the boyfriend knows as well. But everyone else just thinks she's gone missing, and they go around to Barb's parents, don't they? To have they go, there. they go every week according to what they're saying. So yeah. they kind of like yeah, they go every week, and, and the parents are still. Hopeful, aren't they? Mm. They've hired a, a new private investigator. Well, they, they, like they're selling off, aren't they? They're selling well, off. That, it, yeah, but in order to fund this mm. private investigator. But her thing is, like, everyone's forgotten about her now, you know, and that, that to me mm. feel, feels very, like, meta. Like, everyone's forgotten about her. We need to say what's happened. And, and um, Steve's saying, no, you know, let's just, let's try and be teenagers. Let's go to this Halloween party. Let's try and forget, you know, every, yeah. it'll be better for everyone. You know, the government don't want people to know about this upside down place. So we need to just keep silent. So, yeah, Na Nancy and her boyfriend go to the party and Nancy gets horribly drunk mm. uh, because she decides, well, if I'm going to act like a teenager, then I'm going to act like a teenager. Uh, and, and she basically splits up with her boyfriend because she's drunk. She says, I don't love you. And uh, ironically, is it Tony? Uh, brother, brother, Jonathan. Jonathan. He's also at the party. And he takes Nancy home because yeah, because she convinces split. him to go to the party, doesn't? He? Because they've sort of developed a friendship after like season one. He was a bit yeah. more of an outsider. She says, you know, you need to go to this party. You need to interact. And he he's he eventually agrees to go, but then ends up um, taking Nancy back home and putting her to bed after she's had too much to drink. And it's quite a sweet little moment, isn't it? He's got this massive crush. Here she is, but all he does is tuck her up into bed and. 
mm. and make sure she's okay. Let's uh, let's go on a different theme. Let's go to Hooper. Let's go to the chief of police. Yeah. Hopper. Um, Hopper, sorry. He was very much downtrodden in Series 1. The whole incident around Series 1 kind of reinvigorated him as a police chief. Well, his daughter had died from cancer, hadn't she? Yeah. He was still grieving for her. And and the actor who plays in David Harbour is brilliant. I think oh, he's yeah. the best designed character. You know, you, the first time you see him here, he's um, he the, the sort of receptionist at the sheriff's office is sort of taking a donut of his hand and giving him an apple and sort of brushing There's him There's lovely little and, touches. The lovely yeah. little touches with him. He starts off by meeting a local conspiracy theorist. And basically he gives him five minutes, but also has this wonderful way of about two minutes in after this guy's explaining, you know, why everything is Russia or why it's aliens or whatever. He taps on his uh, typewriter and uh, gets a phone call from one of his team telling him there's an emergency he has to go and deal with, which is way of getting out of it. But what actually happens is the emergency is kind of real. He goes out to one of the many, many pumpkin farms. The pumpkins have been, I mean, mutilated, I suppose, Mm. would really be the only way of describing it. At first, it looks like it is just, you know, rival pumpkin farmers. Like, it's been set on fire. There's a lot of black pumpkins. There's a lot of rotten pumpkins. You know, they think maybe they've sprayed something on the patch to make it Pesticide or something, Yeah. yeah. Towards the end of the second episode... He goes to a pumpkin farm where it's obvious that it's more than just, you know, foul play. And he starts to mark out and he's, well, how far does this go? And he he starts to see that pattern of Mm. something. Uh, Now, interestingly, he uh, gets on very well with Joyce, as we've said, and goes along with Joyce and Will to these sessions and, and seems to have some knowledge of PTSD, either himself or a family member or a friend. He obviously is putting together this idea that Will's talking about something coming to kill us mm. and now he's seeing these this pattern of this destruction like and mutilation there's on a, the trees isn't there he goes yeah like in series one he's beginning to kind of follow the pattern of what's going on in series one we're very much although we're looking through the eyes of the four boys the actual storyline is mostly told through him mm. uh, because he's the one the hunting the conspiracy isn't he he's the one yes. who's going to the research labs he's the one sort of putting two and two together because everyone else is just focused on what happened to will has he gone missing he's the one who's sort of following up on these links obviously he's working it from a criminal perspective isn't he and he he sort of then links the case with will to this 11 case and he's the one who's sort of talking to people investigating things he's the more sort of level-headed one. he's almost like the adult version of the kids uh, but like he hasn't abandonment. got a lot else to sort of live for. You know, he's divorced, he's lost his daughter. And that sort of maybe sort of brings us on to the sort of relationship well, he's got in. In the very end of episode one, they build, build it up brilliantly. And you see Jim going to, I think it's like his un- uncle's old hunting cabin. He goes in and there's a TV on and he's talking to someone. And you see the Ego Waffle, which he, which was sort of symbolic from, from season one, where yeah. sort of Levin got hooked on the egos with the boys and then you see eleven at the table sort of you know now she's got a crop of hair you know she was she was um shaved head in the first series because of all the sort of tests they were doing on her at the research lab and he's sort of like almost like adopted her hasn't he you know he's waiting yeah waiting for him to have their like well it's, it's dinners it, together and it's almost also protecting her because again yeah. the, the one thing that, that he does is that you see as he's going up to this house as he goes over a trip wire he has a special knock on the door to show that it's him. They're communicating um, via Morse code, aren't they? Yeah, sort of five one five and all that. 
And she's basically staying at home and watching American television to sort of learn the language because she's still very underdeveloped in certain areas, isn't she? I mean, you see in episode two that you get, and I think these flashbacks continue as we go on, she's then on the run, you know, from the authorities. She's, yeah. she's, she's like stealing things. She's sort of killing squirrels with her mind powers and eating them and things. And yeah, knocking uh, people out with knocking them. Knocking people uh, out with their telekinetic abilities. And yeah. so he basically sort of brings her in and protects her. And I think it's sort of like a surrogate daughter for him. And she wants to go trick or treating, doesn't she? And there's that lovely scene where she puts a sheet over herself and goes like, go. I thought that you see, I thought that was quite nice. And I thought yeah. Yeah, this would be the perfect opportunity. I was slightly sort of disappointed that she didn't leave the house and do it well, obviously they've um, said and have a, and, and bump, like, and bump into mike without telling her that would have been quite a good moment i think but they say like we don't take risks she said like yeah. it wouldn't be a risk he said well we don't try and take risks you know we need to sort of protect you and yeah because you would but imagine I think that, that... That, that that's probably going to blow up in his face a bit because yeah. you know I, I either someone's going to find them or Eleven's just going to want to leave at some point. Well, she does try and communicate, doesn't she, by going yeah. into the static of the TV and the sort of... I suppose that's a very much a reference to Poltergeist, isn't it? Yes, if you're counting yeah, your, another horror film with the 80s. If you've got your 80s movie bingo cards out, then that's your sort of reference. There's heavy movie references. There's fantastic music. Also, as well, I would say the incidental music is fantastic. If you're a fan of John Carpenter movies like mm-hmm. Halloween, Assault and Precinct 13, yeah. The Fog... It is very reminiscent of the move of the music, particularly as you say, the music when Will is in the is getting his waking dreams. That rise and that fall of of, of the terror uh, is definitely predicated by the music. Uh, I mean, the, the the whole direction, the the camera work. I think the introduction of Max and her brother is is extremely well done. The supernatural stuff is all well played. It doesn't. It feels heightened, but not to a ridiculous extent because they they put these characters as like eleven on like a human level that mm. it does sort of draw you in and uh, and I just really enjoy it. And I think that's what a lot of pe- hooked a lot of people in in season 1, but as well I think yeah. the, the acting by the young the young actors. I think Finn Wolfhard especially as Mike is sort of the sort of emotional center, isn't he? But I like yeah. how they're giving the other two, you know, Lucas and Dustin a little bit more to do here with having them sort of having the crush on on Matt. Well, as you say, Lucas not... was more Lucas was more the skeptic in series 1, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, um Dustin's a brilliant on. character though, isn't he? Cuz he's got like the lisp, he's sort of like Oh, and one thing we didn't mention. Oh yeah, the Dustin. Dustin's dustbin. Yeah, Dustin's dustbin. Uh, he's homage to three two one yeah surely no uh right at the end of each episode he hears they've got a cat in their house so he thinks it's the cat uh outside so he's calling the cat at the end of the first episode nothing happens at the end of the second episode right at the end the sort of you know the, the reveal at the end of the second episode whilst wearing his ghostbusters outfit he hears the dustbin rattling and builds up the courage and flips the lid and kind of instead of like something coming out at him, he just goes, oh, my goodness. And you hear these kind of electronic noises. Yeah. So we really don't know what this is. Uh, but a, a lovely little way. In order, I'm so tempted to watch episode three last night. Uh, it was about half past ten. I thought oh, I could just watch another couple. Knowing that I wanted to focus well, on I know these some two. people have already finished. No, I know. And annoyingly, can we're, I tape- that- we're taping this on Saturday morning, and it's been on Friday, and, and yeah. some people have already. Can I just say this, okay? Yeah. If you post a spoiler out there, I'm going to block you on Twitter. It's the flipping day after. Stop it! I've seen one already, and it's <laughs> annoying, and I've blocked them already. Sorry, yeah, so I really want to move on because that scene right at the end really made me think, oh, I want to watch the next one and see what happens. That's the, the other thing I think about this show that I think is really good is it does grip you in uh, early on. 
Um, and one of the things that gripped me very early on was this standalone scene at the beginning of the first episode. This was in Pittsburgh. Okay, yeah. explain what happens. It's like a bank robbery, isn't it? There's, there's, this, yeah. there's this group of people who are... Um, five of them, including the getaway them, driver. Yeah, and they're, they're basically... Um, Robbing a bank and they get chased by the police. You just think they're wearing Halloween. They're wearing yeah. scary masks, so they're yeah. like a like a gang of robbers. I think the Duffer Brothers obviously over some sort of baby driver and, and yeah. Thought, yeah we'll, we'll <laughs> Basically, you know, they're driving away. They think they've out the drivers outrun the police, and then there's a lot more police. The person sitting in the passenger side basically says, "There's a tunnel coming up. Drive into it." And and then as they get to the tunnel, she says. Um, Keep boom. driving or something, boom. or boom, yeah. Yeah, she says Because she boom. also does something with her hands. Yeah, she like says boom does, did. Yeah, does something with her hands, and the opening of the tunnel basically explodes, and the police are stuck. And but then it, it opens again, doesn't it? Yeah, and one of the one of the police officers is, is sort of dazed and sort yeah, of confused. Like, what he gets it, what out. And... Why are you doing that? The other one says to him, and and yeah, and then you basically pan to. The girl who's done that, you know, she's got the stamp on her hand that you, you believe she's come yeah. from the research facility as well. She gets the same nosebleed that um, yes, that Eleven, Eleven gets. gets every time she she uses her powers. She's got a tattoo on her That's that it. says 008. That's and Eleven it. was Eleven, wasn't she? Yeah, 011. 11, 11. So, so she's an earlier so version. I'm guessing throughout the series we are going to meet the other people who may be affected. Well, I, I, as you as you may or may not know, listeners, there are four series of this this show planned uh, that have been commissioned, and I'm guessing that you're right that you know as we go on. But I hope that we don't get too much of that in this series. I'm hoping that in this series, perhaps we only really get to meet this one. And that yeah. we're saving that for later well, series. We but... get little bits like this. You know, we don't yes. meet this girl again. We get little bits like this. But it was a really sort of good way of hooking you back into the series without having... Like, well, a, a, it was like a total away. action. You know, it was a car chase. It was a great action scene. B, everybody is, who watched series one is expecting, you know, to see the main characters. So it's a nice little swerve. And I think, thirdly, you're right. It has got that little bit at the end. We are oh, right, OK. It might have just been to show you that there are more of her, uh, more of Elevens. How do you feel... What's your interest in the rest of the series, Matt? What, I'm, what I mean, I mean um, last night I wasn't feeling great. I mean, you you messaged me saying, can we do the first two for this podcast? And I was like, no. But I did get into it. Certainly the second episode, I think, was the stronger of the two. I think... Yes. I think... Suppose one, they had to do quite a lot of exposition. You know, this is what happens in the last year. Get building up to that first cliffhanger where you know Hopper is is looking after Eleven, and and then the second episode, I think we were more in the action. We got all the trick and treat stuff. We got Halloween night. We got the Ghostbusters. Yeah. We got the stuff with Mad Max. We got a lot more. We got the party, and I, I think that flowed a lot more. It was a little bit longer the second episode. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to watching the next couple uh, before we talk again. I think doing it in these sort of smaller sections works because you, you get to digest the episodes a little bit more. So I will do school grades episode two, episode uh-huh. one, a C, yeah. B minus for episode. And I think seeing as you're set in school, I think I'll join you. I think you're right. Yeah, C plus and B minus. Well, no, C. C. Oh, C. I'll, I'll, go C, C I'll go C plus. There oh, you okay. are. C and C plus. <laughs> and then I'll agree with you, a B minus for episode two. So thank you very much, Matt. We will probably be back, I would imagine, no more than a week or two's time. Because basically, we, yeah, yeah. you know, the, certainly quite soon. Because let's face it, the, all these episodes being out in one go, 
it's great for a viewer. It's rubbish for us reviewers because we've <laughs> got to get on this like quick before the next thing comes along. And uh, you can join us now. If you want to contact us, uh, obviously the main contact details for the main show still apply. If so. this is your first time listening, you Stranger Things fanatics, and mm. um, we have got several ways of sort of contacting and supporting yeah. us. We are on Facebook, The Custard TV. We're on iTunes, if this is how you're listening to us. Uh, please um, give us a five-star review and give us some kind words if you've enjoyed this. We're on patreon.com slash TV. We haven't decided yet if we're going to be putting some of these episodes on Patreon. Maybe a couple, maybe the next few, mm-hmm. I don't know. But if, you, if you'd like to give us just a couple of dollars, you will be able to listen to this entire series of The Stranger Things. And there's other fun stuff there as there's well. There's other we fun stuff. Um, if you'd like to... Uh, see what else we've reviewed over the last sort of four years um individual reviews are available on youtube uh if you search the custard tv there and if you want to contact us via email old-fashioned email custard tv reviews at gmail.com is where to get us tell us what you think of stranger things folks as well yeah we'd love to know what others are out there and if you'd like to contact us on twitter and we'll probably be posting and retweeting our yeah. podcast and various bits i'm on at the gary show and matt is on at Matt TV Bites. So thank you very much, everybody, and we'll be back very soon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.